Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it's true. Yeah, I totally remember Matt as like a little pipsqueak. That's like still, I still look at you fondly in that way, man. I see you. I see his little five-year-old Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, hello, everybody. This is really fun. It's really exciting for me and sad for me to be speaking to you on my last uh, Tuesday night here, like potentially forever. I plan on coming back and visiting, but uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife, Brittany, and I, we've been on full-time staff here uh, with Christian Challenge for eight years. So that means we've been doing this as a full-time job since before a lot of you were in high school. So that's just kind of a weird way to think about it for me. That struck me this week. I was like, oh, that's a trip. That's weird. Um, yeah, we've been here for a while. And before that, we were actually students in Challenge. We both went to Chico State. I went to Butte and then went to Chico State. Um, we, were, we were students in Christian Challenge before we, we graduated and came on staff. And we have been so crazy blessed to be a part of this ministry for 12 years now in all. Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, we're so grateful for all the good friends that we've made uh, during years here. But even more than that, what we're really thankful for is the incredible and gracious ways that we've seen God use us uh, in people's lives. He's just been so, so good to us um, during our time here. It's been, it's been incredible. And the only reason we are leaving here, right? We're not leaving because we don't like you guys or anything. That's not what's happening. It's the opposite, actually. Like, we love you guys so much, and we've been so impacted by Christian Challenge at Chico State that the idea that there are campuses out there without a group like this really convicted us. And we were like, we got to, like, go and try to, like, make this happen at another campus um, to give other people the opportunity to hear about Jesus and to grow closer to him in a community like this. So really, you all are the reason we're going in a good way, in a, in a positive way. We're, we just love you all so much and are so thankful for this opportunity. I wanted to mention also, in case anybody didn't know, uh, we're also so excited. We're not going alone. Uh, Ryan Leong and Alex Doty are coming with us, which is super fun. So if you know them and you didn't know that already, you probably did. But if you didn't, make sure to say uh, congrats to them and bye as well. They're not like, up here tonight speaking, so I wanted to give them a shout out. So yay, thanks for coming with you guys, us, you guys. We appreciate that. Um, what I was thinking about what I was going to be sharing tonight I, uh, I've known I was going to be sharing tonight for a couple months now. They told me, hey, it's going to be the last challenge. You should talk. I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I've been thinking about it for a couple months, and I thought about a lot of different things I could talk about. Uh, for a while, I was thinking maybe I'll do like a fun kind of nostalgic -y sort of talk, and we'll talk about challenge through the years and memories and fun, stuff like that. Um, but I ended up, I was really thinking about it and praying about it, and I got this idea in my head that I really think God was sharing with me that, that it'd be a good idea to talk about our beginnings of coming on staff here and what led us on the course that we're now continuing on in leaving. So tonight I'm going to be talking about a passage of scripture that's very special to me. Um, it's really special to me because these are the verses that God used to really call me into doing what I've been doing for the last eight years. Uh, it's, a, it's just a couple of verses that um, God really used to speak into my life as I was heading toward graduation and it really directed me toward uh, going on staff with Challenge. And not that, honestly, they would have directed my life whether or not I went on staff with Challenge, which is why I want to share them with you because I think these verses should be really impactful for your life as well. I want to tell you a little bit more about the passage first, though, before we read it. So uh, the, the verses are about John the Baptist. 
So I want to tell you, like, who is John the Baptist? So, you know, the book of John in the Bible, if you've ever seen that, that book is written by the Apostle John, which means he was one of the guys who followed Jesus. Uh, he was one of, like, the 12 disciples of Jesus. Um, not that John. Okay, so if you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know John. Okay, it's not that John. Different John. This John was actually, he was a prophet. It's funny, he was a prophet who was prophesied about. And I kind of nerded out about that this week when I was thinking about it. He was like prophet inception. Like there was prophets talking about this prophet because he was a prophesied prophet. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a dork, so I thought that was cool. Um, so John the Baptist, he was talked about in the Old Testament. They said this guy was going to come and he was going to like lay the, the groundwork for what Jesus was going to be doing. That sounds like a really exciting and intimidating job calling from God, right? Could you imagine that? God, God says to you, okay, like, no big deal. But what I want you to do with your life is like lay the groundwork for the coming savior of the world who is going to change like all of human history. All right. And you're like, you're like going to lead right up to him. Like that's what, that's what his calling in life was, which is super intimidating, <laughs> but, but it had to be so exciting as well. So in this passage we're going to be looking at, it's not actually John the Baptist talking, it's his dad. So the, the, who wrote this is, is Zechariah is his name. It was John the Baptist's dad. And it's very interesting to me the way God set up this, this message that he'd given Zechariah to share with people that we're going to be reading because he like hyped it. Like God, God really hyped this message up because what he did is he struck Zechariah with muteness for at least nine months up until this moment. An angel had come to Zechariah and, and, and told him that he was going to have a son. He was going to do all this amazing stuff and, and God was going to use him. And Zechariah was kind of cynical about it because him and his wife had been unable to have kids their entire lives. They were getting pretty old. So when the angel told him this, Zechariah didn't have a very gracious response. And the angel was like, oh, no, dude. Like, I've been in the presence of God. I'm coming here giving you this awesome message. Like, you're going to shut your mouth until this all comes to fruition. So that's what happened. Like he like didn't, he wasn't able to talk for a while and they didn't have like texting and stuff like that. You might not think I could make it without talking. The picture, like the, like the majority of the population, like not even be able to read or write. It would be really hard to live your daily life without being able to talk. So that's, that's what God did. This guy couldn't talk for at least nine months um, before this message happened. So imagine when he, he suddenly started talking after his son was born. And this is what he said. Everyone was like tripping at this moment. This is, this, this is the setting for what we're going to be reading. Uh, that's, how, that's how I picture it going down. So let's look at it. It's Luke 1, 77 through 79. And it's, it's a message that God had given Zechariah about really the mission statement of his newborn son, of what he was going to do with his life. It says, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So like I mentioned earlier, uh, these verses are very significant to me. I, I take them personally every time I read them because God's used them uh, in such a, a major way in my life. I'm so thankful that he did that. But I want to transition out. I really want to discuss here why I think these verses need to be significant in your life. And the points in this are about those verses. So you can like circle that passage for me. 
like the, that one, the, the Luke 177-79, circle that on your handout so that you know that's what we're talking about with the two points you're going to be filling in throughout this talk here. So if you are a follower of Christ, you have what Zechariah was talking about. It's really interesting. If you're a follower of Christ, you have what Zechariah was talking about in your life. Like, let that sink in. This history-shaking news that Zechariah was delivering to people is a daily truth of your life. Like, it is the reality in which you casually go about all of your activities. So that's that first blank there. It says, these verses are about my life. These verses are about my life. Right? If, you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you have knowledge of salvation. You, har, you wholeheartedly know and understand that your sins have been forgiven by Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He took what was due to you justly for every wrong thing that you've ever done. He took that on himself. Holy. He took the penalty for all of it. You've personally experienced the tender mercy of our God, like this verse talks about. You've personally experienced that in your life. You've been completely transformed by it. Your, your entire course of life went from being enshrouded in, in, in death, in spiritual death, and you were headed to a Christless eternity in hell. And God completely changed that in a 180 direction and now you are on a perfect path toward peace and, and you're on that now. You experience the peace of God now and on into spending forever with your Lord and Savior in heaven. That's, that's incredible. That's just true about you. If you're a follower of Christ, that's just, that's just how you live your daily life with, with that knowledge, knowing, knowing that. that. That's amazing. The light of God through his son, Jesus Christ, came to you while you were in darkness in the shadow of death. That's so significant. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he didn't wait for us to get right. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. While we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for you. So if you don't know Christ tonight, please know that about him. Know that he died for you and he wants to know you right now, right where you are. He doesn't want to wait for you to clean up your act. He doesn't want to wait for you to start going to church every Sunday. He wants to meet you right now, tonight, where you are, all your baggage, everything you've got bringing in with you, all your bad habits, everything. He knows everything about you, knows every thought you've ever had, right where you are. That's where God wants to come into your life, intervene, and change the course of your life on through physical death and on into forever, on to into eternity. He wants to start now, change your life onto the path of peace like this verse talks about, and continue that on forever. You've got to fully wrap your mind around this part in order to get the next part of what I'm talking about. Because if you don't fully get this part, what I talk about next will just become a religious practice. It's going to just become good-looking activity if it is not founded upon this first point. 
but God intervened in your life while you were still a sinner, not deserving him to do this, right? You're headed the wrong way. And God came in at that point and pointed you the right way. And the next part, the next point is this. It's that these verses are what my life is about. Talking about what the Luke 1, 77 through 79 here. These verses are what my life is about. John the Baptist's message that he committed his whole life to is exactly what your whole life should be about. He set an incredible example in this way. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that I'm just talking about, his redemption, he paid the price for all sinners that turn to him. That is earth-shattering news that should not just be something that affected us in the past. The gospel is not Christianity 101. Sometimes people think of that. And I used to think of the gospel in this way. I used to think of the gospel as like the, the syllabus class at the beginning of the semester. You know, it's like, you got kind of got to go to it. It's the necessary starting point. And then after that, you get into the real stuff and you, you forget about that class that you did. You just had to get through that to get through the door. Like, like the gospel is kind of Christianity 101. It's, the, it's just the entryway. The gospel is the whole grad program. Like it's what it's all about. It's the point. The gospel is what being a follower of Christ is all about. It's what it's based on. It's what it's empowered by. Do you know what I realized this week while I was meditating on these verses? I was just thinking about them. I was reading them over and over and looking at them. And I, I had this uh, idea pop in my head that I had never thought about. First, John the Baptist was pretty radical. He, he was just wild. The dude like ate locusts. So honey locust is like a big old fat grasshopper. I knew that about him. Like I learned that in Sunday school and I always thought it was kind of cool. I was like, yeah, like do that. That dude was like, he was intense. But beyond the fact that he was radical, he literally gave his whole life to preaching of the coming Savior, right? Jesus hadn't come yet. He'd never personally experienced the redemption of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ in this room, you know more about the details of the gospel than John the Baptist did. And he had radical faithful obedience to the gospel. And it changed everything about what he, what, how he lived his life and you understand it in detail much more clearly than he did. Because Jesus literally hadn't died yet at this point. Jesus hadn't even really started his ministry on earth when John the Baptist started living his life radically for Christ, for this message. He knew what Jesus was coming to do, but he hadn't actually done it yet. This man made every single thing he did in life be about telling people about Jesus. And he didn't even have the gospel message like we have it now. Not only that, not only do you have that leg up on John the Baptist, but you actually have the exact same empowerment in the Holy Spirit that he did. The Bible tells us that really specifically. It says that John the Baptist was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Was that just like God being with you, like in your life, in your heart? So, so John the Baptist was empowered by the Holy Spirit this is what the Bible says about, about you in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. 
So you've got it. You've got the same fuel, the same drive, the same, the same empowerment that, that John did. Plus, you have a better understanding of what happened than him. So is your life right now as about the gospel as John the Baptist was? That's the question I really want you to think about. Is your life right now, not do you understand the gospel, not did it change your life, like this thing that happened in the past, like today. Today was your life as about the gospel as it was in the daily life of John the Baptist. Let me get more practical with you. When deciding where you would go to college, did you base that decision on what would further the message of the gospel? In choosing a major in college, have you considered the gospel into that decision in any way, shape, or form? In choosing where you're going to live next school year, have you given the gospel any authority in that decision? In considering what you would do after graduation, how much have you weighed the price that Christ paid for your redemption into that decision that you're making? And my aim with those questions is not to beat you down. It's to draw you to a biblical conviction about how much we actually are influenced by the gospel on a day-to-day basis. This is something that convicts me. Like I'm convicted by this, this, these questions. How much do I actually, how much authority do I actually give the gospel in my daily life? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says this, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, it's not just a question of whether or not you love Jesus. You know, in 2019, they did a study and 65% of all Americans said that they were Christian. I don't know about you, but I look around our country, not literally, I, don't, I look around the country, but see the news, see everything happening, see my friends posting on social media, I see everything, I see people in public and all this, and I, and I don't think to myself, yeah, the majority of this country is united in Christ and lives out the gospel in their daily lives. Right? I think it's, it's pretty apparent that that's not happening in our country. The majority of our country is not coming together and being unified in Christ and focused daily on honoring God with how they live their life. This is just not happening. But I am going to assume that on some level, those 65% of Americans do believe in God. And to some extent, they love him. They have some amount of love or appreciation for God. See, it's not a question of whether or not you love God. I want to bring it closer to home here. Have you ever been hurt by somebody who you know without a doubt that they believe in God? I have. I've totally been hurt by people who I think are very strong in their faith and they truly love God. Or even closer to home. You you love God? Have you ever done something, said something to somebody, said something about somebody, knowing 
or maybe even the reason why you said it was to inflict some amount of pain on them. I have. I've done that. I was hurt. I thought, I want to hurt them back. And I love God. I do. I truly, I really don't. I, I really do. Like, I, I, that doesn't mean I don't love God. Like, I really do love God. And, and I behave that way. See, it's not whether or not we love God. What I'm drawing our attention here in God's word is this first, for this first statement in that 2 Corinthians 5.14. Let's look at it. This is an incredible statement. The love of Christ controls us. The love, it's not talking about our love for Christ there. That's when I was, when I first read it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I love, I love Christ. That's actually not what it's saying. Another translation says for Christ's love. It's talking about Jesus's love for us. It's talking about the gospel. The love of Christ. God, the gospel controls us. So that's what I want, I want you to think about. I want you to really think about this in your own life. Does the gospel have a grip on your life? Does it control you? Does it, does it lead you through your day? Does it affect the way that you relate to your parents or your siblings or your roommates? Does it affect the way that you clear up your relationships? Do you resolve conflict with people? When you are hurt, do you look to hurt them back? Or do you let the gospel have a grip on your life? You say, no, like Jesus has forgiven me way, for way more than this. This is such a small thing for me to forgive them, despite the fact that they hurt me. Like we do not live in a forgiving culture. So if you are going to live a life for the gospel on a daily basis, you have to, you have to cling to that. You have to like openly go to God and be like, I need you to help me. Like, be gripped by the gospel in this way in how I actually walk through my day and make decisions. So if we don't, if we don't let the gospel influence our daily lives in this way, the big question is, why don't we? Like, why, why don't we do this? Or when we mess up, like I was saying, like, I, I mess up. I, I, I do this stuff. I do all these things I'm talking about. All the bad examples here, I've got from my own life. Why do I do that? I love God. I try, to, I try to let the gospel dictate how I live my life. And this verse actually tells us, this 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15 tells us. It tells us right here in verse 15. It says that those who might, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We live for ourselves. That's it. That's what we do. That's why we're not letting ourselves be gripped by the gospel because we're living for ourselves. Do you know what it looks like to live for yourself? I was thinking about this. I was thinking, okay, so how do I live for myself? I was thinking about how this works in my, in my life. And, and I had this, this picture pop into my head. I was like, it's like I walk around all day with a mirror that I'm holding up, looking at myself. And this is how I do it. Like I wake up and I'm like, how do I feel today? I look in the mirror, I'm smiling. Oh, I feel good. Okay, I, it's a good day today. Or I'm frowning. Okay, it's a bad day today. I can tell because I'm looking at myself. Just focus on myself as I go through my day. I'm getting ready for the day. And I'm thinking, I hope my day is a good day today. I hope I, hope I have good conversations with people. And I really hope that people notice this outfit I'm putting on, you know, and, and make a comment about it. And, and you know, I, I hope that I do well, I do well on this test and, 
and I can focus well. And, and as I walk through my day, you know, I get, on, I get on social media and I'm just scrolling while looking at myself in this mirror. And I'm scrolling, scrolling. Something makes me smile. I'm like, oh, I like that. You know, double click. And I keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. You know, I'm just focused on myself. And I'm, I didn't like that. I'm going to tell that person why I think their opinion is stupid. Keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Okay, I see like a really cute picture of a dog and I send it to my friends. And that's, that's a holy practice. So that's totally chill. You should do that. So that's, that's a good thing to do, you know. And then maybe even I'm getting ready for church, you know. And I'm like, I'm getting ready to go out the door and I'm still looking at myself in this mirror. And I'm like, man, I really hope they play those songs that I like at church today. I hope I have a meaningful worship experience. I hope the pastor says something that is helpful for me or makes me feel good or, or uh, you know, helps me in some way in my life. And, and I head out the door and I'm like, yeah, like I got a good perspective going to church. As I'm like going into church, looking at myself in a mirror. This is just naturally what we do. Every day we're walking around, looking in a mirror, evaluating our life looking at ourselves, focusing on ourselves, living for ourselves, which is in direct contradiction to what 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us. It says that those who live might no longer. We used to live that way, you guys. We used to live for ourselves and we are constantly tempted to keep doing that. It takes a conscious effort to stop living for ourselves. If you are a follower of Christ, you have freedom in Christ to stop living for yourselves. It is freeing to put down the mirror. Okay? Because I want to tell you that. Some people are like, oh, no, like, well, what else are you going to do in life? Try it. Like, put down the mirror. Do not evaluate how your day was based on yourself. Evaluate your day based off of your focus on God and the way that you serve those around you. Don't think, I really hope someone says something nice about my outfit. Like say something nice about someone else's outfit. You know, like, like, like put down your mirror. Like look up to God as you walk through your day and love the people around you. It is incredibly freeing. It's not easy, but it's so freezing. Freeing. <laughs> no, it's not freezing. It's very hot. So are you choosing to make your life about the gospel? If you will, it changes everything. If you will make your life about the gospel, I'm not asking, have you responded to the gospel in your past? Say, will you make your life about the gospel tomorrow? If you will, it will change your life tomorrow. This is what I felt like God wanted to share with you all tonight. Because in reflecting on the fact that this is my last night at Challenge, I was struck with thankfulness that God has very graciously been helping me live this way for the last about a decade. Like I said, I'm not doing this perfectly by any means. This has been the general trajectory of my life for the last 10 years. And where I've ended up after 10 years is so different than if my trajectory was still looking at myself in a mirror every day and just being okay with that. If my trajectory was still in darkness in the shadow of death, like Luke 1, 77 through 79 talks about. And I'm so thankful that my life looks different now today because God came in and intervened, not just to change the direction of my life, but to help me continue growing in my appreciation, in my living out of the gospel, in my daily life for the last 10 years. And like I said, it's not, it's not a, 
it's not a perfection thing. It's a direction thing. Because I stumble. Like, I mess up. What happens is when I mess up, like, I mess up and I fess up. I'm just like, God, like, I live for myself today. I didn't leave that behind me. I asked for his forgiveness, and I looked to him to help me tomorrow. Like, I don't want to do that again. I didn't like that. I want to live for you again. So even if you have been struggling with this, there's this thing you're like, oh, yeah, sure, it sounds nice, but it's hard. It is hard. But God wants to help you with this, right? If you can be sure of anything, you know. God wants you to, God wants you to live that way. And he's going to help you doing this. You got to know it's not, a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Like sticking with God and living for the gospel for the rest of your life, it is a marathon. And you're going to feel yourself leaning one way or another sometimes. You got to look to God to course correct. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to face plan a few times. But you got to get up and keep going. When you trip and fall, that doesn't mean you get up and you turn around and go the other direction. When you trip and fall, you got to get up. You got to keep going. And sometimes it's hard to get momentum again. But it is the best way to live life. And it is the way that God wants you to live. I want to emphasize something else. This, is, this might be a random note, but it's something that gets misunderstood a lot. Is that this trajectory in my life has nothing to do with the fact that I work in full-time ministry. This may or may not have been on your mind, but it's just something that gets confused a lot for people is that, yes, I work in full-time ministry, but this, this direction God gave me in these verses of one, uh, Luke 1, 77 through 79, they would be true about my life uh, no matter what he had led me to do professionalize. I have plenty of friends who had uh, this, this experience with God where, where they realized they needed the gospel in their daily lives. They didn't just need it once in their past and they're good to go now. They work in all different professions and they do this. They live for the gospel every day. It has nothing to do with my, my, my profession choice and the profession God led me into. It has to do with living for the gospel every day. Not being like, awesome, thanks for my train ticket to heaven, God. See you when I die one day. In the meantime, peace. Like, that's not the way to live. It's not how God wants you to live and it's not going to be a fulfilling life. I tried it. It's not, a, it's not a good way to live life. Jesus Christ died that you might not live for yourself any longer, but that you would instead live for him who died for you. He died for you. That is such good news. If you're a follower of Christ, you are free from the worries of this life. You're free from the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for temporary worldly pressures. You're free from those things. You are free from living life, just evaluating day to day, uh, looking in the mirror. Because I used to, that was my whole life. That I was wholeheartedly invested in this life. It is a roller coaster in a terrible way, not a fun roller coaster. It is up and down and all around. Luke 177 through 79 is about your life and it is what your life should be about. About. So I just really want to, I want to encourage you with that. I hope this has been encouraging for you because it's made such an impact in my life, knowing that those verses are about me and what I need to be about. And it's, it's different every day. It looks a little different what living for the gospel looks like, just the circumstances of life, resolving conflict with people, making decisions. What happens is once you get to where I'm at, you're going to be about 10 years in the future, and you look back and you're like, 
whoa. Like all of those little decisions to base my life off of the gospel like have resulted in me being in a very different place today than I would have otherwise. And you're just gonna, you're gonna have the same effect I had this week in reflecting on this. And I was just like, I was, I was not prideful. I was like awestruck that God was that gracious with me. I was just like, that's cr- like, that's like too much, man. Like I was such an idiot at so many points throughout this, this road and made so many stupid mistakes. And God was so gracious with me to help, help me course correct or help me get up and, and keep going in the right direction. And, and it's, a, it's an amazing blessing that I, I, I'm literally praying for every single one of you here tonight that you will experience this 10 years from now. You're going to look back and be like, I am so thankful that I decided to put down the mirror, no longer live for myself, but to live life based off of the gospel on a daily basis. Let's pray. Lord, I do. I pray that for everybody here tonight, God. I thank you so, so much that you have redeemed us, God. I thank you so much that you don't base it off off of our merits, God. Like we can never do enough to get to you. We can never do enough to make up for what we've done. And we can never keep on living like this on our own. Thank you so much for not just giving us a course correction in, in giving us repentance and helping us start following Christ. But thank you for, on a day-to-day basis, wanting to walk life, walk through life with us and be right there along our side and help us. Whether or not we're doing the right things, you're still constantly right there wanting to help us. So when we do mess up, we don't need to wonder if you're still there by our side. You are there by your side because you were there by our side before we even knew you and turned to you. It was while we were still sinners that you died for us. So we can be confident that you're still going to remain with us even through the low points of life. That you want to be right there with us and help us get back on track and keep living for the gospel, God. I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.